I'm just talking, babbling. This is what you came here for, isn't it? Hello everyone and welcome to So I Got My BFA, dot dot dot. My name is Kelsey and I am the host of this podcast. Thank you for coming, mom, dad, my brother. Thank you for my three listens. This is just going to be kind of a really laid back, fun podcast. We're just going to hang out together. This is, this is just me sharing some of my opinions on some of the entertainment that's out there in the world. Because you know why? Because I got my BFA. However, I still can't seem to form my own sentences, which is really great. So this podcast was just kind of created out of boredom against my will so that I could just kind of share my opinions about the entertainment that's out there in the world right now. I didn't want to directly make it about musical theater. That's why it's called So I Got My BFA because now I am qualified to talk about all forms of entertainment, right? I think so. I actually have my diploma sitting next to me to remind me that I'm qualified to talk about this when really, in reality, anyone is qualified to talk about this because if you have an opinion, then you can talk about the arts. That, that's what's so great about the arts. It's up for interpretation. It's everyone has different opinions and it's fun to hear everyone's different opinions on things. And these are mine, so let's be kind. Thank you. So the way this podcast is kind of going to be formatted is every week I'm going to talk about a different musical and just kind of, you know, give my opinion on the musicals, tell you my favorite moment, tell you my least favorite moment, maybe work up a dream cast in my head for the musical, maybe talk about if the musical is still, you know, can kind of measure up to the times. Because some of the classics are, are classics and they're good to go. Some of them need a little bit of work to be able to run in 2020. But uh, other than that, which is this is gonna be a totally laid back. I'm, I'm a very chillaxed kind of person. So this is just gonna be a nice conversation that I'm having with myself, by the way, which is super hard for me. I don't know how YouTubers do this all the time. They just sit in front of a camera and talk to themselves because I've been doing this for maybe like three minutes, if that even, and I'm already losing my mind. So just have a great time listen, listening to me just kind of babble about whatever I think I can babble about for the next 32 minutes to an hour. All right, so let's get started. Before I dive into the podcast, I do want to start on a bit of a serious note, even though I said this is going to be fun and chillax. I know, I'm totally deviating from that for one second. I just want my utmost support to the Broadway community and the theater communities right now. We're really struggling. This year has not been a good year for the theater communities, and it's going to be really hard for us to come back. Saying that, I know that we will come back, and New York City will come back stronger than ever but right now it's really hard and so i just want to give all of my support and love to everyone out there who's struggling right now we're in this together and we're gonna get through this now serious part over we're gonna get to the fun part so the beginning of this podcast i'm gonna talk about things in the entertainment industry that i am currently obsessed with and it's gonna be on a week-to-week basis so this might not be what i'm like all my all-time obsession but this is what i'm obsessed with this week and what has been on my mind and things that i just can't stop watching or listening to the first one is the beetlejuice soundtrack listen I never watched Beetlejuice because if you know me at all, I'm scared 
of the back door closing. Like literally anything scares me. I can't watch horror movies, so I never watched it growing up. I mean, Sweeney Todd scares me. That's why I'm so like reluctant to watch it. I just like get, you know, frightened easily. So I, I really didn't have any will to watch this musical or to listen to the soundtrack because I didn't know what the movie was about and scary things are scary. However, I go on about a seven mile walk every day and I was looking for new albums to listen to and I had heard Dead Mom on kind of like a shuffle and I was like, this song is a bop and I literally couldn't get it out of my head. So I decided, I was like, I'm just gonna buck up. I'm just gonna listen to the album. The album can't scare me, right? Wrong. No, just kidding. The album was totally fine. And, and every single song, okay, not every single song, but most every single song was a jam. I was, I mean, in my in my car like rocking out to the fright of their lives while the people next to me were just staring at me like I was an insane person but you know what I live in New York City so I'm used to it but it's just it's so good if you get a chance go listen to it I probably shouldn't talk about these things for this long or this podcast is gonna be four hours long and no one came here to listen to that so I'm gonna keep the rest of these short and concise and I'm gonna have a hard time doing that on this next one this next one is what I'm watching on Netflix right now I will say it's the second time I'm watching it so this is an old obsession that is, I'm now speaking about, and it's Gilmore Girls. My mother has been telling me to watch this show for the longest time, and I just put it off because I was like, oh, it's a show that was, you know, created early 90s. Apparently it came out in the 2000s, but I was just like, uh, I'm not really into that type of show. I, I was thinking it's like kind of like a Gossip Girl situation. I've never seen Gossip Girl either, so I don't really know why I was comparing it to that. But I was like, I'm not really, I'm not really into that. And then finally during quarantine, I was, I was looking for a show and I gave up and I started watching it. And oh my gosh, did I not know what I was in for. First of all, let's not even talk about the show. Let's talk about Lauren Graham's acting. I think that is actually my weekly obsession. Not so much Gilmore Girls, but Lauren Graham as an actress. She is so good. She hits every beat. The subtleties in her faces tell a million stories. It's absolutely incredible to watch as an actor. And this is kind of a nerdy fact, nerdy actor fact about me, but I watch television shows and I study the acting and I decide who my favorite character is based off of how good of an actor I think they are. You can all uh, unfollow me now. <laughs> but I was just so like, Oh, it just it just reeled me in like every single moment like it was like she didn't miss a beat She doesn't miss a beat and I've watched some of her other stuff, too And it's just as good So if you're looking for some really good acting go watch everything that Lauren Graham has been in She's been in Gilmore Girls uh, Parenthood most recently she was in Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, which is a television musical Which is really fun and then she's been in like a million movies if you want to look that up Just go stalk her IMD IMBD page like I did Okay, and my last obsession for this week is Folklore, Taylor Swift's new album. I know it came out a while ago, but it's my obsession for the week. It's so interesting, and I am obsessed with it. I haven't really been into Taylor Swift since she like moved into like pop era. I was really, really a big fan when she was a country singer because I grew up on country music. So, you know, I like geeked out. She put out all these albums. I went and saw her in concert, but I hadn't, hadn't really been as invested since she moved to pop. I liked a few of her songs here and there, but like I wouldn't listen as much as I used to. And I decided to give this album a listen. And it's really, it's really different from the stuff that she's been putting out lately. It's very, it's kind of like a indie folk-ish kind of vibe. 
vibe. I listen to it, another uh, nerdy theater thing. I guess it's not really nerdy, but it's what I do. I listen to it when I stretch every day and it's just, it just puts me in like a, a nice vibe. It's really relaxing to listen to and it's really good. Not that, I mean, Taylor Swift has been He's a phenomenal songwriter, but like, I just really am vibing with this album. And now that I've spent about 15 minutes on that, now it's time to move on to our musical of the week. So the musical this week is one that is very near and dear to my heart. It's a childhood classic. I watched it probably every day. I think it's probably, if this was not the first movie musical that I ever saw, then it was Mary Poppins. But the musical we're talking about today is The Sound of Music. Yay! I really need like a soundboard so that I can play like little fun sounds. That's because that's fun. So this week we're going to talk about the sound of music. I'm going to tell you what I love about it, what I don't love about it, and if I think that anything should change. Okay, we're going to start with, okay, first I need to talk about how I've only seen the stage version of this musical once, and then I studied it in college. I was in a, I was in a scene. Um, I was in 16 going on 17 in one of my scene study classes, so I had to study the script and I've seen the stage version once in like a community theater production but the rest of my experience with the sound of music has been the Julie Andrews movie musical and I am deeply obsessed with this version of it and I kind of offended at the fact that the stage version is not the same I'll talk about kind of my thought process and thinkings of why I, why I think that the, the movie musical version might be a little bit better than the stage version but to start off let's just dive in so I I have to confess that I did watch The Sound of Music live last night to refresh the stage version in my mind. And this is not what I'm here to talk about, but I am gonna, I do have some thoughts on this version. First of all, okay, I, like I said, I grew up with country music and I loved Carrie Underwood. She was my all time favorite country singer growing up. I just wanna put that out there before I give my opinion on how she did in this role. I just feel like there are so many big names out there that were probably better, that were probably a better option for Maria than Carrie Underwood. Underwood. I love her. I love her deeply. This was not the right role for her, singing-wise, acting-wise. I'm sorry, but she should she should really stick to country singing because she's really good at that. The acting, maybe not so much, but you know she did her best with what she had and what she was given i think it was a little bit her i think i think it was a little bit distracting her up against some of these other great broadway professionals such as audra mcdonald audra mcdonald as mother abbess oh my gosh it's the only thing i've ever wanted in my life every single beat she hit oh the her vibrato i want her vibrato in my ear 24 7. it's so pretty. And then of course, Christian Borle, I was gonna say Christian Benanti, that's not the name. Christian Borle was great as Max, and Laura Benanti, amazing as Elsa. And I just feel like they kind of outshined her, but that's just my humble, recently graduated with a BFA opinion. I'm not going to talk about this anymore. Oh wait, yes I am gonna talk about this some more because I was looking up the cast to just like see if there were any more names that I didn't catch. Do you know who played Brigida in The Sound of Music Live because I didn't until about an hour ago. Sophia Ann Caruso, who was the recent, or the original Lydia in Beetlejuice. Oh my gosh, just blew my mind because she's so tiny and fragile and so sweet in, in this. And this was shot in 2013, so what are we, seven years? 
from that, but oh my gosh, I would have never, I would have never known that was her if I had not looked that up. That blew my mind. She was Brigida, and now she's this really angsty, playing this angsty punk rock girl that I'm listening to on my seven mile walks every day. Ridiculous. Okay, now I'm done talking about the live action version and we're gonna talk about the musical itself. So I think one of my favorite, my favorite, favorite, favorite moments in this musical is my favorite things. I love this moment. In the movie musical, I love this moment. It's a good moment in the, the stage version as well, but I think it's just placed better in the movie musical. It just makes more sense that Maria is comforting the children with my favorite things versus the lonely goat herd, but that's just my humble opinion. But I've, I just love this song, it's a classic. And I think what's really interesting about The Sound of Music itself, compared to some of other Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals, is that the music is, is it's less like, it's less pretty and classical and legato and musically inclined. That is my, my professional BFA talk that I just gave you there. And it's more, it's more like fun. And I, it's, it just caters more towards like the, the, the peppy side. Not that The Sound of Music is a peppy musical because it's not, but um, it just, I don't know. I just, I think it's a, it's a really different vibe and it doesn't really necessarily sound like it's Rodgers and Hammerstein music, which I think is really interesting. And I think it's really cool when composers can write to different variations of music and different styles of music. So that's really cool. And I love also the moment when Von Trapp takes over for Kurt when Maria is dancing with him at the party. Oh, I love that moment. It's it's the first moment they fall in love. And I just think it's, it's just a really beautiful moment between the two of them and it's, it's beautifully written and yeah, I just really love it. One of my least favorite moments in this musical is How Can Love Survive? I don't think that this was in the movie musical. I haven't seen it in a while, but I don't think it was in there. So maybe that's why I'm like, mm, not really vibing with the song. But I just, I don't know. I just feel like I, I get it, but I feel like it's not necessary for that song to be in the musical. I don't think it really adds that much. I mean, what are they, they're singing about the fact that he's rich and she's rich, which is why they make a perfect couple. Sure. I don't think it needs to be sung about. Maybe it's a maybe it's a talking like a scene, but maybe not a song. Okay, now that I've totally not been talking about the musical at all, except for my favorite moments, let's talk about the musical a little bit. It opens with I think the opening. Uh, it, it's it's it definitely sets up the musical in the we're in the the abbey um, with the the nuns singing. I think it sets up the musical, but I I think I prefer an opening where Maria is just in the hills and she's singing and I think and I think that's the way the movie musical starts and if that if that's true then I'm just basing this was my entire childhood people I watched it every single road trip almost every single night it's the first movie musical I ever watched it's just like in my heart and in my brain and so I might be saying that this would probably be a better opening and this would be a better but it might all just be based on the movie musical um and then of course she's not there where is she oh how do you solve a problem like Maria I think this is a really clever song and I think it's just it's just like a fun little comedic song between the nuns and then of course the beautiful scene between Mother Abbess and Maria and I this is actually one of the scenes that we studied in class I just think it's a it's a great it sets up their relationship so well and the Mother Abbess really does have so much love for Maria and that's why she has to send her away because if you love something that much let it go, and if it comes back, then it was meant to be. Except for she does come back, and then she sends her away again. So maybe that's not the best metaphor for this musical. So she goes to the Von Trapp children. Mm, 
let's talk about this for a second. But I think they did add it eventually. I could be wrong. This could be an older script that I'm looking through right now. But they don't have I Have Confidence because it was added in the movie musical. And it's one of my favorite songs. And it's not it was not originally in the show. It might be now. I'd have to do some research, which clearly I didn't do much of. But I just, I just think that that's such a, a great song. It's a great setup for who Maria is and how she views the world and it kind of sets up like her attitude uh, for the for the rest of the show, really, because I don't think that we really get to see that setup for Maria. I, I don't know if mm, the scene with Mother Abish really sets her character up the way I want it to be set up. Okay, now that we've said that, we get to the Von Trapp house. He's calling everyone by whistle. That's just the way his householders run. Maria comes in. She he hands her the whistle, and she's like, "No thanks, bro." Maria's super progressive. She's like, "You can't call me by." whistle I will not be called with a whistle that is not how I roll that is not how I vibe and I will not do it no thank you no sir and I approve of that Maria that is good on you and then of course she meets all the children and finds out that they cannot sing Ooh, what kind of a child doesn't sing the the type of child who is called by whistle that's the type okay and then of course so she teaches them to sing and one of my favorite moments do re mi oh I love this song this song was my saving grace in choir when I was trying to learn to sight sing and I was trying to learn solfege and I didn't understand it the first day of choir where we had to learn solfege I went in and I was like uh what is that and why are we singing the sound of music right now I don't understand but okay I'll go along with it and so they sing do re mi and it's beautiful and they learn how to sing and that's such a good moment and then it cuts in a weird way because then it kind of cuts to Liesel and Rolf and I feel like Rolf should have been introduced before now they do that in the movie I know I keep going back to the movie but again it was my childhood and how can I not but they, they don't really set up their relationship we just kind of see Louisa in the woods or not maybe it's not in the woods that's how the live action thing but I think it's right outside her house actually I should know I did the scene and boy did we study it hard my scene partner and I I think we sat for about three hours just trying to figure out the opening of the scene and where they actually were but I think we decided that they were right outside the door anyway little side note and we have this cute little song 16 going on 17 um I think that this song nowadays is probably played a lot differently than it was back then. Back then, of course, she was like, mm, you're 17 going on 18, so I'm gonna, you know, depend on you because I can't do anything for myself, ha ha ha. But nowadays, I think that it's it's more of Liesel like toying with him and like playing with him and like, oh, I'm only 16 going on 17. What do I know? Ha ha ha, I know a lot more than you do. And that is the way that we played it in scene study uh, a little bit. So I think that that scene, if it were to be played nowadays, would be a little bit more progressive rather than just, you know, Liesel bowing down to a man who she does not need and he turns out to be not good in the end anyway well that's okay that's a point for debate we'll get to that when we get to that and now we're, we've moved on uh Frost Schmidt is offering uh Maria new clothes and she's like oh no I'll make them myself and then she she takes the curtains what a good moment and she's praying and she can't remember the child's name it's Kurt she forgot Kurt 
Anyway, Liesel comes in and Maria acts more like a friend um, and maybe even more of a, like, a, like a mother figure than her previous governesses. And Liesel uh, comes to accept Maria. And then of course the thunderstorm happens. And in this thunderstorm, one of my favorite moments and one of my least favorite lines happen back to back. So I believe it's Brigida that says it, but there's a thunderstorm and all the little girls come rushing in. And Brigida says, they won't come they're boys. They're brave. Ew. <laughs> come on. But then, of course, oh, I don't. I don't like that line because, come on, Brigida, you're you read and you're progressive and you know that boys can be just as scared as girls. Yeah. But then, my favorite moment, they open the door and come in just as frightened, if not more frightened than the girls. And I just think that that's a really good moment, because I, I just think it's, it's, it's nice. And then they sing The Lonely Goat Herd. I don't like this song in this position in the musical. I like it where it's placed in the movie musical, because I think it's better done and represented, as in they've created this little song and this puppet show for uh, Elsa, versus Let's Comfort Them With My Yodeling. Um, I, I love favorite things there, that's why. Anyway, so they're comforted with the lonely goat herd and we move on. And this is when we meet Elsa and Max, I believe. And I'm not gonna touch on these scenes too much. These scenes more set up the plot of what is going on in Austria and what's going on around them. Of course, this is the beginning of World War II. So they're kind of touching on, you know, what's happening to Austria. And Captain Von Trapp is very anti-Nazi where Max and Elsa are more, mm, you gotta do what you gotta do to survive, you know? I'm not gonna touch on these scenes too much. They're not my favorite scenes. I do like Elsa as a character. I, I think that, I, I don't know, I think she's nice, but maybe not written as well as I would like have liked her to be. And then, of course, he finds out that the children can sing because they come in and they're they're in these clothes and he gets mad at Maria because she made him these, these awful clothes. And then they start singing and he's like, oh, my children can sing. I hate it, but oh, they're so good. And then he joins in with them. And it's a very nice family moment. Okay, Maria and Elsa have a scene and they're basically talking about, oh, Elsa's uh, curious as to who Maria is and what she's doing there. And of course, Maria is like, oh, I'm just the governess. Don't, you don't need to worry about me. And then I believe the next scene is the party. Um, another one of my favorite moments. I love the party scene. That's of course where they do the dance and they lock eyes and they fall in love and it's so beautiful. And then they sing one of my favorite songs called So Long Farewell. I really like this song. I think it's really cute. I think it's a nice, it, it's nicely placed in the musical and really cute. And then we have, they have the whole scene between Maria under, starts realizing that maybe she likes Captain Von Trapp and she's like, oh no, I'm gonna run away. Then she goes back to the abbey, of course, and Mother Abbess is like, get your stuff together, girly, you have to go back and claim your feelings because you can't just run away to the abbey and hide here forever. And then she sings Climb Every Mountain and I just picture Audra McDonald's beautiful vibrato singing the song every single time. It's so amazing. If you're gonna watch the live version, watch it for Audra. She's, she's phenomenal, it's great. She goes back, the children are sad. That's kind of the end of the first act. So the opening of the second act is her coming back and the kids are happy. What do they sing? They sing, there's no way to stop it. And that's basically just like Elsa and Max being like, you can't outrun what's happening in the world, what's happening to Austria. And he's like, oh yes I can. And they're like, mm, maybe you can't. And then Maria comes back. They realize they're in love, they sing. 
something good. I'm not the biggest fan of this song, but it's it's a nice it's a nice duet between the two. I believe it was added later. I th I think the original was an ordinary couple, but um, that I don't think it's been. It, it, it was replaced by something good. And then they fall in love, they do the wedding, it's a beautiful wedding. And then they go on their honeymoon, they come back, and Max has set up the Von Trapp children to sing in the concert. And uh, Von Trapp is obviously not happy about this until he gets confronted by some officers. And they're basically saying, you need to join the Berlin military forces. Basically, you know, support the Nazis. He's like, no way, I'm not doing this. And then Maria, obviously, girl coming in, coming in clutch, says, oh, but we can't join today because we're singing at the concert on Friday. And then they develop this beautiful plan to sing at the concert and then run away. The concert happens. Oh, they sing one of my favorite songs, Edelweiss. It's just a beautiful, beautiful song, beautifully written. They run away when they're done. They sing so long farewell again. It's a reprise. And then they run away, they hide in the abbey, people come and look for them, and here we're coming back to one of my, another one of my favorite moments. It's when Rolf finds the family, and Luisa steps in front of them as he's about to call for backup, and he looks into Luisa's eyes, and he's like, wow, I really do love you, so I'm gonna let you go. Oh, and then we realize that Rolf really isn't that bad of a guy. He's, you know, he's on their side. He's just doing what he has to. He was roped in. He's a young boy fighting for what he thinks is right or maybe just being forced against his will. But of course he lets them go and they run away into the hills of Austria because they can't get away by car because there are people are patrolling the street. So they run into the hills and we start where we finish in the hills. Wow, that was a summary and me talking about some of my favorite moments. Did you enjoy it? Was it fun? Okay, do I think that this musical could stand up in these times? I'm gonna go with yes, because I don't think that there's, again, this is my opinion, everyone has their own opinions. I love to hear other people's opinions, but for me, there's nothing too problematic about this show. Can't really say that about some of the other classics, but I, I, I want to say that there's there's nothing too problematic in the show. It's a family story. It's it, it doesn't deal with too many rich themes. It's kind of just like how a family had to live. Their father was a part of the military. How they had to live through the beginnings of World War II in Austria and kind of what happened to them and and how they got away. So I think that this is this musical is timeless. I think that it's I, I think that it's about time for a revival. Honestly, I think that would be great. And speaking of a revival, oh man, if only I had a dream cast and I could cast the revival right now. Well, here we go. I'm about to. Maria Sutton Foster. Now, here's the thing. You're going to learn if you continue to listen to these, and bless you if you do. You're going to learn that I uh, am obsessed with Sutton Foster. I think she's a phenomenal actor, singer, dancer. She's like... She's just like the perfect triple threat in my mind. And I think that this role is great for her. She is not going to be the lead of every single Dreamcast in the future. Don't, so don't worry about it. But I do think that if she were to play a character in a Rodgers and Hammerstein musical, it would be Maria and the Sound of Music because Maria is spunky and she's lively and she's a little bit quirky. And she she's just like very, she, she's very independent. And I think that Sutton plays 
all of those qualities so well. I'm actually really excited to see what she does with Marion the librarian because Marion can be perceived as this, you know, kind of, you know, bland, legit role. And I'm really excited to see what Sutton does with it because I'll be honest, Sutton was not really my first choice when I think of Marion, but I think that she's going to do a really good job with it. And I'm excited to see when Broadway comes back because it will come back and it's going to come back stronger than ever. I'm excited to see what she does with the role. Moving on, Captain Von Trapp. I've gone, went back and forth on this, but I think that Ramin Karamlu would be a really good option for this. I, th I think that he would play Von Trapp really well. I want Von Trapp to have phantom vibes. I want him to have, you know, this like stern gaze to him. And then I want him to have the beautiful voice that Ramin has. And I just think that it's a good option. Mother Abbess. I had a little bit of trouble thinking of who I would want to play Mother Abbess because after you see Audrey McDonald play it, you really don't want to see anyone else. So I was going to cop out and say Audrey McDonald, but I decided that I think that Leia Salongo would be a really good option for this. I think that she she would have that like grace and that like very motherly presence. I saw her in Once on this Island and she played Erzuli, and it was just very, you know, so graceful and mature, and, and her voice is beautiful, and I just think that she'd be a really good option. Or, or if we have a revival, I think, can Drew, Julie Andrews just walk in and say, I'm going to play this role, and you're going to lower the key for me so that I can play it, because I think that that is totally acceptable, and she has every single right to do that. Moving on to Liesl, I'm gonna go with Ava Noblezada. Her mix is like a dream. I saw her in Miss Saigon, and I can't wait to see her in Town again when Broadway comes back. And I, she's just so, she has such a great presence on stage and her voice is to die for. And although Liesl isn't the biggest role in this, I think that Ava would, would be a really good choice for this. Rolf, I had a bit of an issue deciding who I wanted to play Rolf because my first instinct was Derek Klenna. And I think that he would be really good, but I think that a more interesting take on Rolf might be Jelani Aladdin. And, and when I thought about Jelani, I was like, hmm, Jelani would be great, but I think he's too sexy to play the role. And then Max, maybe Skylar Aston or Jonathan Groff? I don't know. I kind of like this, like, Max is a little bit uh, quirky and, you know, witty, and I, I, I like to see it. And then Elsa, of course, I had to go with my girl Kelly O'Hara. Laura Benanti was amazing as it, uh, again, it's hard to pick another person, but I think that Kelly would nail this role. I'm coming to the end of my, uh, of my talk about The Sound of Music. I think that it's a great musical. I think it's a really good first musical for, for kids. Because, you know, it kind of like, it, like Maria is teaching the Von Trapp children to sing, I think it's very, it's very educational. And it's very, it, it's just a good introduction to musical theater, I think. So I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it 8 out of 10 raindrops on roses. That is my, that is my rating system. Okay, now that we've, now that we've had that discussion, now we're going to have a little bit of fun and we're going to play a game because I'm not about to host a podcast and not play a game. I love playing games. Games are like my favorite thing in the entire world. Sit me down with a board game and I'll be, I'll be set for the next four hours. I am really competitive, so be careful if you play a board game with me. But my lovely sound engineer and my lovely brother has picked five musicals for me to summarize in one sentence. And if you know me at all, you know that this is going to be 
a big challenge for me because as you just heard, as I tried to summarize The Sound of Music, it took probably 30 to 45 minutes. I don't know, we'll have to find out in editing, but this is gonna be a big challenge. Also, here's a little uh, side note that a lot of people might not know. Just because you go through four years of acting school and you get this big fancy diploma that says you have your BFA in musical theater does not mean that you know every single musical in the musical theater canon. So if I don't know what the musical is, I will tell you that I don't know what it is and I will make up on the spot what I think the musical is about based on maybe if I know some songs or just based on the title. So this is gonna be fun, great time. Mickey, please take it away and give me my first musical. Uh, disclaimer, he told me he picked really hard ones and ones that he didn't know, so this might be bad, but here we go. Title number one, Waiting for Godot. <laughs> Waiting for Godot. Okay, I do not know this. Is this the, is this the 1920s one? This is from France. This is from France, so clearly. I'm uninformed. Waiting for Godot. Oh, you know, a, a lonely woman is on her way to the market to buy some peas and she cannot purchase the peas without her wallet, which she left at home. So she has to call her husband Godot to come and get it for her, to bring her her wallet. And while she is waiting for Godot, she goes through a lifelong journey of through the supermarket to realize her true potential in life is to be a store clerk. Thank you. <laughs> Number two, Tick Tick Boom. Okay, I do know a couple of songs from Tick Tick Boom. I have no idea what it's about. I'm really exposing myself here. Tick Tick Boom. So, isn't this great? Aren't you so happy you clicked on this podcast? Um, tick Tick Boom is, a, is you know, about there's a, a bomb in the, the shelter where the sheep live and Mary and Joseph are trying to find a place to birth Jesus Christ. Oh no, this is getting religious. Maybe I should steer away. Well, I, I've already gone with it. We've got to stick with it. And um, they can't sleep in the inn because there's no room in the inn. And now they ha they can't go in the barn because there's a, bar a bomb in the barn. So they have to figure out how to get the bomb out of the barn. I think that um, more of the game is me. I think the, the, the more exciting part of the game is me not knowing the musicals and trying to describe them, the ones that I don't know. Okay, please tell me you picked one that I do know. We'll see. Number three, Ragtime. We can't do Ragtime because I'm, I really should know this musical and I don't. So you're gonna have to pick something else. I only have five options. I won't expose myself over Ragtime because I really don't know what it's about. Number three, Ragtime. No, go to the next one. Number four, On a Clear Day You Can See Forever. Oh my God, you didn't pick anything that I know? Oh, I don't know. Oh no, I'm really exposing myself. On a clear day you can see forever is obviously about the first sunny day in 10 years and their people are really happy. I'm getting frustrated now. This is not fun anymore. Okay, what's the last one? Number five, Lion King. <laughs> okay, this one I can do. One sentence. Okay, okay. Oh, this is hard. Young lion cub must go on a journey and quest to find himself worthy of becoming king of the savannah after his father is pushed off 
of a ledge. And along the way, he finds friends who help him. This is so bad. Oh no. Find who he truly is. And then he returns and takes over his rotten uncle and becomes king of the savannah. Thank you. <laughs> oh no. That's the game. That's okay. Well, next time I'll just make sure that I do know some of the musicals and it'll be more fun. And hopefully later on in this podcast, I'm not just going to be sitting here talking to myself. Hopefully maybe I can get some actual guests on this when I move back to New York. And hopefully it's not just me babbling this whole time because I'm sick of myself at this point. My final thing of the day, I'm gonna leave the podcast, is going to be the advice column of a recently graduated musical theater student. It's basically where I'm gonna give you a helpful tip to all my theater lovers out there who might wanna go into musical theater or something that I, an important lesson that I learned in college or, you know, just some advice because I, would have loved some advice trying to to go in and figure myself out uh, in this really hard process of becoming of doing musical theater in college so my advice of this week is if you have a dream follow it do whatever you can to make that dream come true go to camp ask for help if you want to sing better go to voice lessons if you want to learn to play the piano go to piano take piano lessons nothing is holding you back except yourself so if you want to do it go out and do it and if later you decide that it's not for you or maybe it's not the dream that you want to follow then at least you did it and at least you tried because i know that if i go and ask the people who dropped out of my program if they regretted starting and and entering musical theater i can almost guarantee every single one of them would say no because you can't decide that something is not for you until you try it and do not let anyone anyone tell you that you're not good enough or that you won't make it because what do they know they don't know anything you know you I, I'm telling you you can do anything you set your mind to and if you work hard enough one day you'll get there. So this has been the advice column by Kelsey McFall, um, a recently graduated musical theater student. That's the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcast on your phone or as well as on Spotify. Please subscribe. Please like it. If you want to give me a review, that's great. That's cool. Mom, I know you're listening and I know you're going to give me the best review out there. So thank you very much already for that. Uh, you can follow my Instagram. I'm at underscore Kelsey McFall underscore. You can follow me on TikTok. I'm at KelseyMC137. That's really the only place you can follow me on. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Podcast would not be possible without supporters like you guys. And that's the end of this podcast. So I'll see you next time and I'll come up with a better catchphrase to end the podcast next time. This has been So I Got My BFA with Kelsey McFall. Thanks for listening.